0: All right, with that being said, we're going to dive back into Mark today, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 19, and I'd like to start just by reading it for us, and then we'll pray and and dive into our passage. Mark chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea, Jerusalem and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan, from, from around Tyre and Sidon. Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaan, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Let's pray together. Awesome God, what we know not, please teach us, what we have not, please give us, and what we are not, please make us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I'm a little different than Dwayne. I love the new year. I love everything about the new year. I love everything, what it means to be in the new year. So Dwayne, when he was asked, What are you thinking about for the new year? I have a hundred goals for the new year. I am ready to... And I had started that list way back on December 15th. I was so excited about the new year. Something about me and my personality that when you get into the new year, when, when I have the opportunity to reset... I love that. In fact, we were hanging out as a family just a few nights ago, and my kids were making fun of me because of how much I love the new. They were asking me, all right, Dad, how many resolutions you got this year? And I, and I have them, and I told them. I got a whole bunch of resolutions that I can tell you guys about. I'm not going to share them all with you this morning, but I have some great ones. Because, and, well, I will say this. Actually, this year I was thinking about it, I was like, I actually kept a few that I wanted to do last year. <laughs> I was like, that is a good thing. Maybe in my old age, it's starting to work. Like, I'm starting to carry it all the way through. Whether you have a bunch or not, whether you've thought about your goals or not, uh, I think for all of us, that resetting sometimes can be really helpful. Because there's in all of us that longing, the desire for something in our lives to be different. And when we enter in that new year, it gives us that opportunity to think about how can we have that. Well, last December, we started on a journey through the gospel of Mark. It's going to actually take us all the way through next year. We'll hit Mark 16 on Easter of 2024. And so we started by introducing this word in the first three chapters that I think Mark was really wanting to do to his readers, and it was the word disrupt. That what God, what God was trying to do, what Mark wanted to do, was disrupt the reader's idea of what it means to know Jesus. And so, disrupt, it's a simple definition it means to break apart, to rupture, or to throw into disorder. And so, what he's doing there, what Mark was trying to do, is he was t- trying to disrupt people's understanding and perspectives of. This person, this man, Jesus the Messiah. And so in Mark 1.1, he starts with this crazy statement, which we unpacked for many weeks. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That there's good news about this person, Jesus Christ, who is declared to be the Son of God. He's, He's not just somebody. He's been talked about. There's all these things that point us to who Jesus is. And so our first section was about disruption. Well, now we come into a new section, a new direction that Mark wants to take us. And we see how it begins in verses 7 through 8. Mark tells us, Jesus withdrew with his his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed, from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and and from beyond the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. And what I wanted to do actually here was let's have, let's just jump into geography class for a second if we can. I want to throw the map up on the screen. I want you to see where all those places are. So if, what he's calling out there is he says, if you look kind of in the middle bottom, I know it's a little hard to see in the back, I'm sorry, but he's he's got Judea. I'm just going to point it out right here so you can see. We got Judea right here, Samaria right above it. So those are like counties, if you will, little areas. And then he points out down here at the bottom so those are kind of the three places if you look up way at the top which i can't reach then the tiny little dot next to phoenicia is tyre that's where tyre is all the way at the top and sidon is actually right above it not on the map and and so what what mark's trying to do here what i want us to see is people are coming from everywhere jesus hasn't moved He's pretty much stayed right where he was, kind of in Galilee, where he's from. And people are just flocking to him because they're like, whoa, who is this guy? He's healing people. He's making things change. And Jesus even says in verses 9, he says, And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. There's so many people coming to see Jesus that he's actually worried about being crushed. And the people, they all have in mind what Jesus is about to do. They're thinking, this guy is going to take on Rome and become king. We've talked about this before. They think Jesus is about to become king, and he is in some ways. But there's a massive problem that's going on here. And that is... That the way that people want Jesus to be king is not the way Jesus is going to be king. So let's pause just for a second here. How do you want Jesus to be king in your life? And maybe a better way to ask that is just to ask, what does it look like to follow Jesus for you? or to be an apprentice of Jesus to learn from him to have his lifestyle to have the life that he longs for for you and for me are you following the Jesus are you following Jesus the way you want to follow Jesus or are you following Jesus the way he invites you to follow him Are you following the Jesus you designed in your head that you feel comfortable with? Or are you following the Jesus of the scriptures that Mark reveals to us? You know, Jesus does something really quite profound in this moment as we get to the pinnacle of his fame in Mark. He He does two things, really. One is, he just slows down. He slows down. Because that's what Jesus does. (laughs) He just slows down. And the second thing we see that he does is he makes an intentional decision to try and reset how people think he is going to operate, what his mission is, and what it means for him to be king. Now uh, let's let's define reset here if we can for a second, because I think it's gonna be important as we look at these next several chapters over these next weeks and months. Reset, it means reset, resetting, it's a verb. It means to set again or anew, to change the reading of often to zero. Now, here's what I would like to say. You know, there's a lot of different ways we can understand reset. What I think Jesus is doing is he's saying, it's not like we need to start over here. I need to reset anew how you think about things. Like the way you're looking about following me and understanding what it means to be my apprentice, to, to know God, what I'm here to accomplish and what I'm here to do, I, I, need, to, I need to reset your understanding of that and, and make it anew. And so what he does is, and we're going to see this as we go into the next several chapters, is he totally reshapes and under, helps us understand what his kingdom is, what he's about to do. We're going to hit the parables over the next several weeks. We're going to see him do these miracles in significant ways that sets up for us this resetting of what it helps us to understand about how we can align ourselves with the life and lifestyle of Jesus. And so in this section this morning... We see that he's taking on the task of resetting how the people see, how his disciples see, what it means for him to be Messiah. And the resetting that we'll see this morning is we're going to discover that his plan comes through weakness and not strength, being sent and not being stationary. Two things. Weakness, not strength. Sent not stationary so let's start with weakness not strength you know mark in verse 11 and 12 it's really interesting maybe you caught it when i read it and whenever the unclean spirits saw him they fell down before him and cried out you are the son of god which is where we started in the beginning of mark mark said he is the son of god jesus christ the son of god and then Jesus in verse 12, he strictly orders them not to make him known. Why? Well, shouldn't we ask the question like, Jesus, hey buddy, things are going good. Everyone's coming. All of, we saw it, all of Israel. They're coming from all over the place. Who else you gotta tell? Everybody's here. And the demons are making it known. You're the son of God. Jesus says, shh, shh. shh, shh. Don't tell. Why? Well, it's interesting. Read a lot about this. And there, there's actually some pretty clear agreement on what it is, that there's three different pr- probabilities to why. No one fully agrees on why, but there, I want to share with you the three and the one I think is most likely. So, f- one reason people think he tells the demons this is because Jesus is holy and he doesn't want to allow corrupt, filthy spirits or something different between a sinful human and a, sin- and a demon to proclaim his glory. So he's like, hey, I don't want you to do that. This isn't for you to tell. And then the second reason, similarly, is the scribes, and we'll see this actually in the next couple weeks, the scribes were telling people that Jesus and the demons were allies. And so Jesus didn't want himself to be advertised by demons because it would just support what the scribes were saying. Both feasible reasons. But I think this third reason actually most aligns with what Mark is trying to help us understand. And it's this. Most of the people of Jesus' day were convinced the Messiah was coming for nationalistic purposes and was going to deliver them from the yoke of a foreign oppressor. So before publicly revealing himself as the Messiah... Or allowing himself to be proclaimed as the Messiah. In fact, it's not even until Mark chapter 8 that Peter proclaims it. And when Peter proclaims it, Jesus says to him, don't tell anybody. Jesus must first make clear the method of his plan. And here's what I want you to hear, which is what? What is the method of the plan of Jesus? It's suffering and death. Weakness, not strength. Humility, not superiority. Now you might be saying, yeah, I get that. Let's go back to the new year just for a second. I want you to think about, maybe you didn't set any resolutions this year, but maybe in the past you have. What have been some of the resolutions that you've set? I mean, when we think about resetting or starting anew, We always, and maybe that's strong, but most of the time, think about strength. We like to think about making the church bigger and stronger. We like to think about stronger giving. We like to think about greater impact. We like to think about stronger disciple-making. That's just me, maybe. That's what I think about. Yes, I'm exposing myself, right? No, what are the New Year's resolutions that we set? We like to think about working out so we can be stronger. We like to think about eating better so we can be healthier and stronger. We like to think about being more wise with our money so we can be stronger financially. Now, I'm not saying those are necessarily bad things, but when is the last time you set a resolution to be weaker? When is the last time we said to Jesus, make me weaker, make me humbler, make me slower? You see, the Jewish people, and I would argue to some extent here, the demons, what they wanted to do was to bring Jesus through power through strength, through healing, through numbers, through more theatrics. But Jesus wants to introduce, he wants to reset what it means to be his follower and to be his apprentice and the upside down way that we have life in him. And it's about weakness. It's about suffering. It's about humility. It's about sacrifice. It's about slowness. And Jesus can't prove and show everyone that that's what he's here to invite people to until he ultimately does that on the cross. So he slows down, and he says, hang on. And actually, what he does, what Mark tells us is, the very next thing he does is he goes away with his disciples, twice in this chapter, at the height of Jesus' fame. What does he do? he slows down, and he gets away. If we follow Jesus, if we're his apprentice, if we think Jesus is the way to life, I wonder if Jesus needs to reset us too. It's not necessarily go tell it on the mountain. (laughs) It's draw me close. It's we fall down. It's not make me stronger, better. It's make me weaker, make me dependent. It's let me not be results-oriented. Here's what I'm asking us to think about in this resetting. Maybe we need to ask God to help us align with the Son of God and become more weak. Maybe we need to I mean, I'm getting super practical here, and ask you to really consider this. Like, what would help you see and and be weak? Maybe you need to give up your phone for a week. Stop social media for a month. Not just read three chapters a day of your Bible, but slow down and just be with God in one to five verses for 20 minutes. In the Gospel of Luke, he tells us that Jesus got away nine times. When Jesus is busy and popular, he withdraws. When we're busy, what's, what's the first thing to go when we're busy? I mean, so many times in my life, it's time with God. It's like, I got stuff to do. I got to get up and get things and make it happen. Slowing down to tell God we need him. That's the path of Jesus. It's weakness, not strength. One of the most memorable sermons I heard was 30 years ago. Still remember it. Still remember it. Maybe it was because he was a Scottish preacher and he was just fun to listen to. You know, like something about, not doing it, but if there was a Scottish accent, you know, like I just something about Scottish accents. And he was talking about a passage in 2 Corinthians. I'd encourage you to maybe check it out this week. It's verse 12. It's one of the primary places in Scripture where we actually have this discussion about strength and weakness. And Paul, at the end of this, he says, I'll boast all the more in my weaknesses because it's in my weakness where I'm made strong. Anyway, this preacher, what he was doing is he, he, he started out by saying, you know, if I were going to put this passage into modern-day parameters, I might set it up this way. Paul's in this room with a bunch of pastors, and they're all sitting there, and they're thinking about all the things that are going good with their churches, and so they're telling them, hey, we got all these small groups, and it's going great, and we had this many people show up on January 8th. Man, it was packed in there. It was amazing. Worship was out, you know, all these things. And they're going around, they're going around the circle, and they finally get to Paul. And Paul, this is, this is what's going on in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's like, guys, you know what? I can tell you all the amazing things I've seen. I mean, this is this is the guy that basically started the movement of the church throughout the world. Right? The first church planner just exploded Christianity into the world. Wrote most of the books of the New Testament. He's like, I can tell you all these amazing things about what I've seen and where I've been and all these things. He says, no. I got a thorn in my side. <laughs> I, and I prayed for God to take it away, and he won't. And actually, what I think he's talking about in that passage is he's talking about a church that he's involved with where he's really struggling with the leadership. And he's like, I can't get along with these guys that I'm trying to lead. They're, they're hard. It's like it won't go away. It's like they keep nagging at me and it's driving me nuts. Maybe I'm not as good a leader as I thought I was. But I'd rather sit here in front of you and tell you how weak I am because it's in my weakness where I find strength. Maybe this week, maybe this week, that could be your application from this sermon, tomorrow morning, tonight before you go to bed. Just open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and read the first 12 verses there. Maybe when we go back to work or school this week, instead of boasting in our strengths, we would take the risk and the vulnerability to share our weaknesses. You know, Jesus needs time to set, reset what everyone thinks, because there we are all about strength. Strength. So all these people are crowded around him. They're coming from all over Israel, and the demons are professing his son of God has come. And he says, no, 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 no. Don't tell. Because I don't want you to tell the story of my strength and my power for healing. I need you to tell the story of my weakness and how what my path to life means is suffering, and humility, and slowness. Think about, just for a moment, like, in your life, is there ever a time when you interacted with somebody who was engaged with you and present with you and slow with you that you thought, oh, that's weird? (laughs) Isn't it true that when we see people who are weak before us and humble before us, that were drawn to them? Hmm. See, he didn't want to be proclaimed until he showed his path for his apprentices. He needed everyone to reset their thinking by experiencing his sacrifice for them. And so the next thing he does is he starts by choosing a small group of disciples teach them this too. So we have this second part of their passage this morning where Jesus appoints 12 apostles. Now it is important to note and and right now that there's something very unique about the apostles and we have to be careful when we dive into these passages to, to draw strict parallels between us and them. Apostles were used by God in a very specific and purposeful way. Now there are some things and some principles we can draw out and we will this morning but I just oftentimes important to just say it as a teacher. I do this thing when I say, te- when I'm wanting to teach. <laughs> that uh, it's important to remind us that we have to be careful when we un- unpack some parallels here. Because Jesus is doing something very unique with them. But let's, let's point out a few things. And the first is this. Mark makes it very clear that he chose 12. Now, numbers in our life and all around the world matter. I mean, when we hear a number, we know what it means. When I tell you 365, you think days in a year. When I say 3.14, you think... When I say 24, you think... Or a TV show, whatever you're thinking in your brain. (laughs) 50, I'm wondering where you guys go with 50. (laughs) Wainwright, okay. 50 is Wainwright, there we go, okay. Or states in the U.S. No? I should have stopped at maybe 24 hours. All right. So in that day, 12 was huge. Every Jewish person knew what 12 meant. There were 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 sons of Jacob And those 12 were significant in God's plans and purposes for heading forward. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and he makes it clear, I'm choosing 12. Why? Because he is telling everybody there's a movement that's coming. It's not a movement of power. It's a movement of weakness. And and so he picks these 12 men to, to be this new movement that he's starting. And he's saying, I'm not just here to heal people and cast out demons. I'm not just here for political reasons and spiritual renewal. I'm here to change it all, spiritual, physical, social, and eventually political. And Jesus chooses these 12 to be in a special role to learn from him. But I believe, in essence, what he wants them to see is, I'm calling you to this path of weakness and suffering, humility. And so when they want to be strong, what does he do? He says, no, be weak. And there's this pattern over and over. And it's interesting. I'll give us a little bit of an overview of what we'll see in Mark here. What we'll see every time that Jesus engages with and interacts with the disciples throughout the book of Mark, Mark paints the disciples mostly in an unattractive way, at best in just an okay way. I mean... We've heard this thought before, right? If you were going to pick 12 people to run an organization, to start a church, to do a movement that you wanted to take over the world, you would find the 12 best. And Jesus finds 12 eh, people to help him. Why? Because it's weakness, not strength. Now, those guys aren't humble yet, but they'll get there. And they're not slow yet, but they'll get there. It's in their weakness that Jesus wants them to be sent. And that's what he's doing here. He's like, we're we're not going to be a movement where people come. We're going to be a movement where we go. And I need you to go in weakness and not strength. It's interesting, in verse 13... It says, and he went up to the mountain and he called to those whom he desired and they came to him. Now, I'll just read it one more time. And he went up on the mountain and he called to those whom he desired. Something really powerful to me about that. That Jesus desired these eh, men to come learn about what it means to grow in weakness. And for me, what I love about that, there's a powerful message that we can pull out that we see all throughout the Gospels that maybe we need to be reminded of today. And that's this. As you look to the new year and think about all the ways you should or want to be stronger, Jesus desires you just as you are right now. And his desire is for you to find life in him. Can I ask all of us to just in this moment think about the Jesus we're following? See, he invites us to follow him in a way that will bring life and Jesus' path to life is the path of love. That's what he says, right? The two greatest commandments are what? Love God and love others. That, that love is what he's calling us to. And what is love? Love is weak. It's, it, love is, it, I love the picture of it, that, that there's this simplicity and humility and humbleness and slowness to love, and it's ascending sending thing. Like That's why Jesus, what's what he's calling us to in all of this. The very first thing in 1 Corinthians that Paul says about love is he says what? Love is patient. It's the first thing. It's kind, it's not arrogant. Love goes to others and values them, especially when their views and perspectives are different than our own. Love listens, love slows down. In our world, slow is a bad word. Think about it. We say someone is slow if they're not a good learner. We call the lane for bad drivers the slow lane. (laughs) One of the greatest complaints, (laughs) this is crazy, 2023, My internet was slow. Yeah. Exactly. My friends, Jesus, through the gospel of Mark, is inviting us to an upside-down kingdom. And he needs us to reset. See, in the kingdom of Jesus, you're rich if you're poor. You're healthy when you're broken. You're full when you're hungry. You're satisfied when you're thirsty. And you're strong when you're weak. That's the path of Jesus. This is what it means to follow him as king. It's... To be weak and sent in our weakness. And maybe in 2023. As we think about our lives. We need to think about Jesus. And build our goals. And our hopes and our plans. In that way. So let me end with this. I was telling Jay. Our youth minister. On Wednesday. I, was, I said this is one of those sermons. I love but I hate. <laughs> so. I learned something about myself, to be fair and put this into practice. I learned that I personally am addicted to speed. Now, not the drug speed. (laughs) Just speed. I am addicted to being busy and fast and going. I'm addicted to efficiency and purpose and for those of you who know me well, you're not surprised that I'm saying this. It's interesting, I, I saw this happen actually at Walmart. So we had all these things that we needed to order. We had all these things that we needed for food at Walmart and they've got this cool new app now and on the app you can click on it and you, it tells you exactly in the aisle where the item is. And it, it became a game for me. <laughs> and I, you know, I mean, I, so I'm, getting, I'm on there and I'm like, J12. I'm like running, you know, like, and sometimes it was strategic. Where would I leave my cart? Where would I take it? And I'm telling you guys, when I was finished with this Walmart experience, my adrenaline was like, and I'm walking I'm walking out of Walmart and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I conquered this place. I did it. I went home and I told Donra, I was like, my dopamine, it was like, boom, 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 This is a silly example. Um, I really heard the Spirit say to me over break, too fast. You are too fast. I mean, to be fair and and sincere, I've learned that, you you know, some of you may be like, so what? Who cares? It's good to be efficient in speed. Yeah. I think my addiction to speed means that I'm not as good at slowing down and just listening to people when I want to. When I'm in conversations, I'm sometimes, if not all the time, thinking about the next one or what's ahead or what do I have to do. When I'm home, I don't ever think about, can I just go sit on the deck and just relax and enjoy the sunset and enjoy creation? It's like well, what other thing can I read or what other thing can I watch or what other thing can I say? And, you know, it just was this really overwhelming thing for me of saying, yeah, I need speed. I need speed. And so this year I'm asking Jesus to do a reset for me. Help me be slow. (laughs) And it's hard. (laughs) It's super hard. And I've been working on it. I'm, you know... Eight days in, and it's, eh. <laughs> but isn't, isn't that the reality of how New Year's works for us? We're like, I tried it for eight days, and meh, it didn't work. That what Jesus is inviting us to in all of our lives, he's saying, this is, it's slow. It's going to take time, because I'm committed to you And so, you know what, if you mess up and it doesn't go good, it's okay. I want to invite you into this again. And so I'm asking him to show me how he desires me just as I am so that I can start to see that what he wants me to do is to be in my weakness, not getting everything accomplished, not having everything perfectly done or organized. So I can love, which is the path that Jesus has shown for me, that he took his time with me, that he gave himself for me, so that I might be loved even in my brokenness. So, like I said at the beginning, it's the new year and I'm excited about the new ideas and hopes I have just to know Jesus more in this journey. And I wonder for you, where do you need a reset? Don't take mine on. Listen to Jesus tomorrow, tonight, right now, and come to him, because he'll give you life. Let's pray. Almighty awesome God, this morning we just want to breathe, and thank you that uh, we have a place where we can be together. And just enjoy you. We got lots we got going on today, but right now we just want to slow down and just be with you. Because you showed us how much you love us by slowing down, breaking into this world, and dying for us. Father, help us. We're confused. We're told over and over and again that efficiency and getting stuff done and being strong, that that's where life is. We're bombarded with those kinds of messages. But but you are constantly patient with us. You are constantly being gracious with us. And every time we come back, you welcome us with open arms. You never say it wasn't fast enough. You never say you didn't try hard enough. You just welcome us back. And so, Lord, would you help us again? We forget so fast. Help us today on January 8th of 2023 to see how it took Jesus a lot of years to reset the disciples, to help them get what he was trying to do. That they would be satisfied when they were thirsty. That they would be full when they were hungry. And that they would be strong when they were weak. May we find those realities to be true. Help us to be thirsty with you, hungry with you, and weak with you. We pray that this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.